sure you discovered a pesky little paper in the way in lieu of uh, this morning's sermon, which is uh, the parable of the talents. I would encourage you to take a look at that piece of paper, prayerfully consider areas where you might be able to serve and help out, and uh, as you've prayed about it and as you've considered, fill it out, and there'll be a basket outside to drop it in um, for you to be able to set that down. The important thing as we as we consider that and as we, as we begin opening the word this morning is understanding God wants us to serve, be a part of serving, do something. Do something with our gifts, something with our talents, something with the opportunities that God gives us each and every day. It's so vital, it's so important for us. And so I, I, I'm not asking for you to just fill it out and pick something that you don't want to do. I'm just saying pray about it. Look for an opportunity, plug yourself in, and be a part. Would you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25 and read together with me? We'll be picking it up from verse 14. Matthew chapter 25. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So enter into the joy of your Lord. He who also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. The Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we come before your word this morning, Father, I pray that we would have eyes to see. I pray that we would have ears to hear. God, I pray that you would enlighten us, Father. Lord, that your word would find fruitful place within our hearts. That your word would bear fruit. Father God, that we would understand the lesson of the parable of the talents. Now, Lord, we give you praise and thanks and glory for the opportunities you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we've been studying through Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25, we're reminded of the questions that Jesus is answering. And here specifically in this area. We're dealing with the question that the disciples had asked. When will be, or what will be, the sign of your coming? When will you set up your kingdom? When will your feet be on the ground to stay as our king? When will we see that kingdom come? And as we look at the scriptures this morning, there have been three parables that the Lord has laid out for us, each with a similar warning. Because as the Lord's been going over these concepts of the sign of His coming, what things will be like, He has said over and over and over again, so watch and be ready, for your Master is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So watch, therefore. Watch. And as we looked at these last three, three parables that fall in a row, we see three things in those parables. It's an encouragement from God in each one of how we can be ready. In the very first one, we see uh, the, the, the servant, the profitable servant or the good servant who realizes and longingly is waiting for the return of his master. His master's gone away to a far country and he is eagerly waiting. Compared with the wicked servant who says, my master delays his coming and he just lives like he wants to live, does what he wants to do. And he lives an unprofitable life. And when the master comes, one is ready and one is not. The lesson of that first parable is to be waiting. The picture is its such a great picture. In fact, we had a miniature tree to, a few years ago. And Fritz was sharing on the concept. And he said, you remember when you were a little kid? And your parents told you somebody that you love, maybe your grandparents are coming over to visit. And you were so excited that they were coming that you would go into the living room and you'd sit there by the couch and look out the window. Are they here yet? Are they here yet? You pester mom and dad. Are they here? Are they here? That's the idea of waiting. Looking with expectancy for the return of the Lord. And that's the message of the first parable, to be looking and longing for His return. Then we saw the parable of the, the ten virgins. The parable of the ten virgins is... Is not just to be waiting, but to be watching. To be a, a possessor and not just a professor. What was missing in the ten virgins? Five wise, five foolish. What was missing? Oil. Oil in the scripture always speaks of the Holy Spirit. What's, what's the Holy Spirit being in their lamps means? It means that they were actually really saved. They had a relationship, personal relationship with Almighty God. They were ready. They were watching. They were prepared. They had taken advantage of the opportunities 
that were before him. So we see first, in the first parable, waiting for the Lord. The second parable, watching for his return. In the third parable, we see working. Waiting, watching, working. Be ready. Being ready for his return. As we look at the scriptures laid out before us in the parable of the talents, we want to understand what is it that he's talking about? What is the purpose? There's two things I think that jump off the, the page immediately. The first thing is, how many times have the disciples thought the kingdom was going to happen right now? All, often they were saying, Lord, is it time for you to set up your kingdom? We're going to see it again in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, after the resurrection, Jesus comes to them. They're going to say, oh, is it time for you to set up your kingdom? There is this constant longing and desire for that kingdom as we desire for the return of the king today as well. But one of the things that he teaches us about his kingdom is it's going to be a while. In every one of the parables, what happens? A master goes away. And he waits for a period of time and then he returns. We're talking about a time interval before the kingdom. He's trying to help the disciples understand the kingdom's not now. You be ready for your master when he returns. And we talked about that concept, the, the return that we see in scriptures, that the scriptures speak of as the rapture of the church. You be ready, be prepared, be set. But the kingdom, that's coming a little ways. It's still a little ways off. So the concept being here, prepared, be ready, be looking, understand that there's going to be an interval of time that's going to take place. The second thing that we see is that people will be accountable to the Lord for the opportunities that He has given them. People will be accountable to the Lord for the opportunities He gave. That's not something new on the pages of Scripture, by the way, because Proverbs 10.5 says says this, he who gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Jesus himself said, look, the fields are white with harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to the field. The idea of being busy about what God would have us do. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The scripture goes on to tell us in Ephesians 5 to redeem the time for the days are evil. Take advantage of the time that God has given. Colossians 4, he gives us the same concept. In Colossians 4, 5, he calls us to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Why? Redeeming the time. Taking advantage of the days. The, the psalmist would say, Lord, teach us to number our days. That we would apply the heart of wisdom. Over and over again, we, we teach the same lessons to our children. We tell them that youth passes by in a breath. And none of them believe us. I can tell because they're all smirking in church right now. Whatever. I've been in school forever. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be gone before you know it. We always talk about that, right? The time passes. And take advantage of the time. Utilizing the time that we have. So that we're not wasting 
our time. We're not wasting our lives. But our lives are being spent in a good way. Well, Jesus said this in John chapter 12. Why don't you turn there? Just turn to the right a couple of books until you come to John chapter 12. And Jesus says he's laying out this concept for his disciples. He says in John 12, verse 35 and 36, Jesus said to them, A little while longer and the light is with you. So walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. For he who walks in darkness has no idea where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. We have a light. The light of the oil of the Holy Spirit in our life. The, the word declares for us to, to take our light and let it shine. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't hide it in a closet. Put it on top of a hill. So that people can see that light while we have opportunity. Because those opportunities go away. I used to say, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? You guys never said that before, have you? Yeah. I'd go visit my grandparents all the time. When i go see my grandparents, I'd always go with the intent of sharing the Lord with them. And I'd get there and I'd, uh, you know, I'd feel this burden on my heart and my soul to share with them and and but, but I wouldn't do it. And I'd say when I left, next time we come out, we go see him pretty regular. Next time we come out, I'm going to share with him. And I said that until it was too late. The way I was able to share the Lord with my grandpa is he was unconscious in a coma. They had disconnected him from the machine that was keeping him alive. I read the Gospel of John to him. I got all the way to chapter 6 before he died. I don't know what God did during that time. But that is not a shining example of redeeming the time. For the days are evil. And nobody is guaranteed another moment. So take advantage the opportunities God gives. Take advantage of what He lays out for us. Literally in the twinkling of an eye, the Lord took my grandmother and my grandfather at the same time, not far apart. And both of them the same way. My grandma lost her mind before she went. So I shared with her then not a shining example of redeeming the time. I had countless opportunities. And I didn't take them. And the Lord through that time, I don't, I don't know. I, today, I don't know. When I am called home, the Lord brings me home. I don't know if I'm going to see my grandparents there in heaven. And I promise you, 
we will each of us, believers and unbelievers, stand before God at the great white throne judgment. Believers will not be being judged, we'll be watching. And if I watch my grandparents in that line receive judgment from God, I promise you, there will be tears in heaven. Do you know that the Bible does not say there won't be tears in heaven? What does it say? It says he will what? Wipe away every tear. After that judgment is over and our weeping is concluded, he will wipe away the tears. And I don't want to have another person that I say, why didn't I? redeem the time why didn't I value the opportunity we look at the parable of the talents in Luke chapter 19 there's another parable it's called the parable of the minas they're different they're not the same they're not given at the same time they're not given to the same people there's difference in in just about every aspect that there could be but let me give you this the talent one talent is 15 years wages. One talent is 15 years wages. So one fellow got five. That's quite a sum, isn't it? Quite a sum. As we take a look at it, let's look at the possession of the talents. What's this possession of the talents all about? As we look at the scriptures, we see the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who did what? He called who? His own servants. Hey, these are people that claim to belong to Him. They're His servants. He is their Lord. We can all be in agreement of that. And what did He deliver to them? The Scripture tells us. He delivered His goods. His stuff. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father in heaven. Every good thing in your life comes from Him. Everything we have he gave every penny in the checking account. Now listen, he didn't work one, not one stitch overtime with me. That's my money. Everything you have came from him. It's his. He's given it to you. He's given it to you that you might utilize that, those opportunities, those things, those items to bring honor and glory to his name. He is the Lord. We his servants. And each possession that he gave. Listen to what the scripture says. To one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one. Each how? According to his own ability. And God doesn't give you what you're not going to be able to use. He doesn't give you too little or too much. He gives you just the right amount according to your ability. To him who has greater responsibility and greater ability, the Lord gives more. To him who has less, the Lord gives less. It's okay. God doesn't give any grief dependent on the difference whether five talents, two talents, or one. What was given didn't matter. In fact, what was gained as a result didn't matter what was the reward for each it was identical well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your Lord 
it's the same. The Lord lays out the possession of the talents. Listen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward based on his own labor. God doesn't have grandkids, only children. Only children of God. Your relationship is your relationship with the Lord, not your parents. Not your uncles, not your aunts, not your friends. It's yours. And the Lord is going to give unto you talents to utilize, to, to spend in His name. And there will be a day of reckoning what you do with what God gave, what was accomplished with what God had. So what's the requirement? The possession was given to each one according to his own ability. So what is it that God's looking for? What is he looking for from, from stewards? What is he looking for from us? The scriptures tell us, listen, he says, he says, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two also. But he who had received only one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. So after a long time, the Lord of the servants comes to settle. So he who had received the five talents came and he brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more beside them. And his Lord said to him, well, well done, good and faithful servant. It's only one requirement. Be faithful. To be faithful with what God has given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, the scripture lays out for us. Let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. Faithful with what God has given. Faithful with what we have. The requirement is faithful. So what's the promise? What was the promise to the faithful? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Listen, the scripture lays it out for us. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. He doesn't say you are amazing, you are incredible, you did all these great things. Listen, faithfulness. He, he lays out for us in the scripture the concept of faithfulness. Faithfulness, the small faith as small as a mustard seed, which is very small. He says you're faithful in a few things. He knows, he knows the heart of men. He knows what we're capable of, what we're able to do. He understands those things. And he says, look, you're faithful over a few things, so I'll make you ruler over many. Just, just be faithful. Be faithful to that which the Lord has given you. The, the requirement, the call, the promise of God. Be faithful in a few things. Listen, not only be faithful in a few things, and I'll make you master over many. But then he says, the reward. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. 
Psalm 1611, it's an incredible psalm. Listen to what it says. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Man, what an exciting time to go before God, to be called into His presence, to experience never-ending joy. Never-ending joy to have that. It's a promise that is given to those for their faithfulness. He also tells us that we'll rule and reign, right? You are faithful in a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. There's going to be responsibilities that take place. We understand it. After we see the Lord, the Bible says, now we see through a glass dimly, then face to face. We'll know as we are known. That means we'll understand like He understands. We'll have that knowledge. We'll put away the sin nature. All those things will be removed. Man, that is the fullness of joy. Enter into the joy of your Lord to all that God has for you. Man, the incredible promises that we see laid out for us, laid out for two servants who were what? Faithful. They were faithful. They used what God gave them. They applied what opportunities the Lord laid out for them. Immediately when the Lord comes, they run to him, excited to tell him. But one of the servants not so excited to see him. One of the servants not so excited. So we see the problem that the scripture lays out for us. For a, a wicked and a lazy servant. Look what it says. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew experientially. Lord, I knew you to be a hard Man, that word hard is never used in any Greek source in a good way. Ever. He's saying, I knew you to be hard. This is what he's saying. He, his, his understanding of the master is hard. Stony, dry ground. What's his complaint? Listen, his complaint is you're hard. Not only are you hard... But you don't do anything. You gather where you have not sown. You reap where you have not scattered. You don't do nothing. I do all the work. You're hard and I'm the one who's doing all the work. This is the one that is unfaithful. Listen, there's something that jumps out immediately. The first thing that jumps out is we know he hid his talent. He was apathetic. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Redeem what time? It's my time. There's no worry about being about the Lord's business. No worry about being about anything that God is doing. His attitude is an attitude of apathy. So he buries it. He does nothing. The second thing that we see about him, not just an attitude of, of apathy, but in his attitude... We see two things. He accuses the master of bad character. He's a hard man. He's hard, negative, stony, dry. The second thing is he accuses master of gaining undeserved profit. 
you don't do anything for me. Let's hover over attitude for a minute. Think about it. You never lift a finger to help me. God, where are you? What's going on? Do we ever accuse the Lord of being unfair? Do we ever say the words, what have I done to deserve this? Wow. Do we actually want what we deserve? Because the scripture says, we never receive what we deserve. Ever. Listen, the 103rd Psalm says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. The 130th Psalm says, If you, Lord, would mark iniquities, who could stand? If, if God gave us what we deserved, who would be able to stand? Nobody. When we, when we think about the attitude, usually, man, I, I fly through this. I fly through the talents. I say, listen, we should be doing something with what the Lord has given us. But this time, when I come over the attitude, and, and the Lord just knocks on my heart, and He says... What is our attitudes? Before we just gloss over it and say, yeah, man, I'm the five-talent guy or the two-talent guy, and, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm making things happen. What is our attitude really? Do we have the attitude of the unprofitable servant? That God owes me something. That God hasn't been giving me the things that I think I deserve. Because that was the attitude of the guy who buried his talent. That God's hard. Life is too hard that I've had to go through too many hurtful things. Listen, I know it. We all are going to go through hurtful things. All of us. We look at someone and we think, oh, I can't believe they got to deal with cancer. But it's going to come to us all one time or another. Maybe not cancer, but something will. This life is hard. But God is good. He does not give us according to what we deserve. But the attitude of this servant was, God owes me something. And I'm always supposed to be going and doing something for God. And whenever I'm doing something for God, it's just, man, why? Why don't God just do it himself? What's he need me for? That's the attitude of the wicked servant. That's the attitude of the man who buried his talent. And when the Lord comes, he thrusts it out. The language in the Greek is like he's throwing it at him. Take what's yours. Take what's yours. Man, that, that attitude kind of jumped out of me. And then the Lord led me to Lamentations chapter 3. It's a good test for us. Let's go to Lamentations chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament. So you're going to want to turn left. Turn left. If you passed Jeremiah, you went too far. So if you're in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy, that's too far. Then you're going to go right. You're going to go right. It's right next to Jeremiah, a little book called Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. And we'll pick it up about verse 22. It says to us, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is 
is your faithfulness. And we're going to continue to read in Lamentations chapter 3, but just in case you think that the, that was all sunshine and roses when this was written, let me back you up to it. You remember a, a verse, some of us maybe have it on our refrigerator, Jeremiah 29, 11? It says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. It was given about the same time. Oh, that doesn't seem like a bad time, right? Oh, well, that was when the nation of Israel was conquered by the Babylonians. Their houses were destroyed. They were divided by families. Families were torn apart. Children over here, women over here, men over there. They were stripped down, lined up, and chained together in a place called Ramah. And there they are chained, ready to walk into a life of slavery for the next 70 years to a foreign land in Babylon. And as they're preparing to go to that foreign land and they're standing there chained and they're, and they're lost everything, everything's gone, they have nothing, everything that they ever thought they were going to have is taken away. As they're standing in that line comes this little old prophet with a big old furry beard and as he comes walking up, he hands them a letter. And the letter is from God, and it says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then they went to Babylon. I'm sure while they were standing in that line, they, like the wicked servant, were thinking, Lord, what have you done? We've We've lost everything. I have nothing. I don't even know where my wife is. She's in a, in a stack of women over there all chained up. I don't know where my children are. They're over there in a big old stack lined up, chained up, going all to Babylon. It's all crazy, torn apart. I don't know what to do. And the Lord told him in that letter. He said, I want you to go to Babylon and build a life and live. I know what I'm thinking towards you, and it's not your destruction. It's so that you will live. That's what was happening in Jeremiah 29. That was what was happening in Lamentations chapter 3. It's by the mercies of God we're not consumed. Great is your faithfulness. When they're saying that, they're in chains. Going to a life of slavery. They're going to live their whole life as slaves. But their attitude is still an attitude of looking for the salvation of the Lord. Trusting in Him, even though life is hard. In verse 24, Lamentations 3, it says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is my portion. You know what that means? That means He's the only thing I want. Not that new car that fancy house not that marriage or that child he's my portion portion is the word used for inheritance inheritance a lot of times when people talk about we talk about the return of the Lord I remember I I was young once too and and I thought wow Lord don't come back because I want to get married and and I want to have kids and want to live a life there's something else I could have said at that moment the Lord is not my portion my portion was 
those are all good things. Not, they're not bad things at all. And those are really how we feel. If we're honest with ourselves, that's really how we feel. But the Lord, the heart toward the Lord is a heart that says, you're my portion. You, having you, my relationship with you, my life with you, I will hope in you. You're my hope. I, I, I won't hope that my husband will make me happy. That's, by the way, a good plan. Just ask Kathy. She'll tell you. I'm hoping that when I finally get that promotion, I'll be happy. When I finally get this, I'll be happy. I'll finally experience joy when I have all this stuff. You know, I don't know what the rich are complaining about. If I had all that money, I sure would be happy. Sure, we would. It's just emptiness and all that stuff. When the Lord is our portion, then we find our hope. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It's just like the parables, man, looking for Him. Even though I'm going into slavery, even though life is hard, even though there's struggles, I'm not going to look at the Lord as though He's a hard person. I'm not going to look at the Lord as though He's never done anything for me. I'm going to look for His deliverance. I'm going to look for His salvation. I'm going to look for His presence. So I will wait and look for the Lord. My soul will seek Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Hope and wait quietly. Man, folks, we got people in our fellowship who are struggling through the illness of cancer. That's a scary word, right? Scary. I don't care whether I don't care what stage it is. That's scary. There's no guarantee when somebody tells you that. So what do you have to hope in? I'm gonna hope in my chemotherapy. I'm going to hope in my radiation. I'm going to hope in the treatment of my doctors. I'm going to hope in the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to hope in His deliverance. I'm going to hope in the touch of His hand. That God is our all in all. It is good for a man to bear the the yoke in his youth. So let him sit alone and keep silent because God laid it on him. Man, whenever we face the troubles and trials of life, there's always two choices, isn't there? I get better, I get bitter. I get angry at God or I submit that everything enters into my life passes through the hands of a God who loves me. That will never stop being true. No matter what the experience, no matter how hard it is, no matter how hurtful it is. It passed through the hands of a God who loves me. That doesn't mean that that's a good thing that happened to me. Maybe that's a bad thing that happened to me. But I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to sit under the yoke that He gives me. What does the scripture say? The scripture tells us, If you are weary and heavy laden, come to me, Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The attitude is that it's God. When we're yoked, you know, there's no, there's no single yoke. He's talking about a yoke, yoke together, yoke together with Christ, so that we're able to stand up under the burden. Listen, when the Scripture says He won't give us more than we can bear, understand that He will give us more than we can bear. He won't give us more than He can bear with us. He's our strength. 
He's our shield. He's our portion. He's our reward. He's everything that we need. In verse 30 it says, Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him, and be full of reproach, for the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under one's feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the justice due a man before the face of the Most High, nor to subvert a man in his cause. The Lord does not approve. Who is he who speaks, and it comes to pass? If the Lord has not commanded it, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? Why should a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to the God of heaven. That's what Jeremiah said, weeping, headed into a life of bondage and slavery, watching the people he'd warned day in and day out as they headed on their way. What is it about the action of this unprofitable servant? He doesn't know the Lord. Do you recognize that? God is hard. He's not hard. He's not hard because John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he became a sin sacrifice for us. He doesn't know the Lord because he says the Lord's never done anything for me. But the Lord has done it all for him. He gave it all to him. He has the same opportunities as the other two, but he, he despises the opportunity. He doesn't know who the Lord is. He is wicked and he is lazy. That's what the scripture declares to us in verse 26. But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. He judges him by the words of his own mouth. You say that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you should have done something with what I gave you. If, you, if that's who you really think I am, you should have done something. The reality is, that's his excuse. It's his excuse. The reality is he doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him. Redeeming the time doesn't step out in his mind. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. Listen to this. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And he's talking about opportunities. The opportunities of the Lord, when they come and we seize those opportunities, He gives us more and more and more. When you're faithful with what God's given you, He gives you more opportunities for that faithfulness to blossom. When we don't take those opportunities, they go away. I don't ever get to ask my grandparents again. I don't ever get to tell them. I don't get that opportunity back. But in a 
an attitude of repentance, I promise God that I will be faithful and I would learn. I wouldn't let that opportunity slide by. I love that whole attitude in Fritz. Man, Fritz will walk up to somebody and before he says hello, say, so have you asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? people who are laughing the hardest are the ones that have talked to Fritz. Just curious. How many people are here today because Fritz talked to you, shared the Lord with you? Slip up a hand. to say yes I will fulfill I will do I will be faithful to the opportunities and when I'm faithful God's going to give me more He's going to give me more He's going to give you more listen I want to be found ready if I'm going to be found ready when He comes I'm going to be waiting looking for the return of my Savior I'm going to be watching for Him expectantly and I'm going to be working I'm going to be about my Father's business isn't that what Jesus said? The whole time he was on earth, what did he say? When he was 12 years old, lost, and his parents couldn't find him, and they found him in the temple, what did he say? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? The question is, are we servants of the Lord? Because if we are, we'll be about his business. Whatever that is and wherever it takes us. The opportunities that he gives us the opportunities that he lays out for us. So many times people say, oh, you know, I got more time. I got more time. I got, I got more time. Listen, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that to those who don't love the truth, the Lord will send strong delusion so that they'll believe the lie. Do you understand that Pharaoh over and over again had opportunity, he had opportunity after opportunity to believe the word that Moses brought to him. And then we read in the pages of Scripture, God hardened his heart. When we turn aside from the opportunities we have, the door of opportunity closes. We got to take the opportunities that God gives. We got to be faithful in the times that he lays out for us. So what is the ultimate in verse 30? What happens to the wicked servant? Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's interesting as when you study the scripture how many times people will take something that is obviously speaking of hell and they'll soften it. Well, that's just a lack of reward. He's not going to have a reward. Listen, that guy doesn't know the Lord. When the Bible talks about going into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's only talking about one place. Period. It's not hard to find it in the book of Matthew. Just about every chapter will give you a reference. And you'll understand what he's talking about. The unprofitable servant who claimed he was of the Lord, he, that he knew who the Lord was, had no idea who the Lord was. He thought he was a hard man. He thought God had never done anything for him. He didn't have a relationship with the Lord. He went to hell. And hell is the place for everyone who does not have a personal relationship for God. It wasn't created for them. If they go, they're trespassing. Who was it created for? The devil and his angels. 
devil and his angels. Opportunity. You come to church here very often, you're going to get lots of opportunity to believe, right? I hope so. I hope you're going to get lots of opportunity to say, I heard Jackie say. And you have an opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ anytime. All the time. To say, man, I, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's what, I, he's what this is about. I want to redeem the time. I want to take advantage of the opportunities I have. There's lots of things that we can be doing for the Lord. And not all of them are on that sheet, by the way. They're not. A lot of them are in your house. With your children. With your family. With your neighbors. People talk all the time about great missionary treks and journeys. Listen, the greatest missionary journey you'll ever take is to cross the street and talk to the guy across the street. If you can't cross the street and talk to the guy across the street, you're not ready for Africa yet. Man, God wants us to be about His business. To be about His business. To be doing the things that He wants us to do. Waiting, watching, and working. What is it that God's laying on your heart? What is it that God's telling you? See, sometimes we sell ourselves short and we say, I can't do it. Ah, what do I have? In fact, if I went through the room and I said, how many talent person are you? Are you a five talent person? Not very many people are going to say, yeah. Most people say, yeah, I don't know that I have any talents the Lord's given me. Are you kidding? so much that he's given you. I I can't tell you the blessing for me when I come into church and I see somebody smiling. How uplifting that is. To hear somebody give a hug and a welcome. Good to see you. Those are talents. And you can use them for the Lord. He's given us so many things. What we have to understand, what we have to understand is, He's for us. Do you know that? He's for us. He's not against us. Sometimes when we think about Jeremiah 29, 11, or Lamentations chapter 3, or the events in our life, we start to think God's not for us. Listen, God is for you. God wants to help you be successful. He, he's given you the talents. All we have to do is have the willingness to step out and take a chance. Put an arm around somebody. Tell them you love them. Tell them you care about them. Start pouring into people's lives. Redeeming the time. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love one for another. So when people come at least to this place, they ought to say at least that one thing. Man, those people love each other. I can't get out of there without a hug. They touch you. I wish they'd stop touching me. Chase them people away. Hug them all the way out the door. When I first got here, there was, a, there was a fella, I won't tell you who he was, there was a fella who ran out of church so fast to get to his truck. I'm gone. And I used to finish and say, man, he ain't getting out of here with like that. I'm going. I chase him all the way out in the parking lot. You sit in your truck, but I'm going to come say, hey, how you doing? I don't have to chase him in a parking lot no more. 
He just hangs out. It's kind of cool. Use the talents God's given you. He does, he's not sitting there going, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? He's saying, I've given you so much. You have all these opportunities. Just be who you are in Christ and allow the natural flow of God's spirit to go through you. Just be willing. Just be willing. Just be willing to extend a hand. Just be willing to give a hug. Just be willing to see a need and meet it. Just be willing. I'll tell you this. There's a whole lot more five talent people in this room than you give credit for. A whole lot more. And I don't believe there's anyone who's a one talent, dig a hole and bury it. Because God is able to do abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. You just give yourself to him and let him do it. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for a chance to study your word, to open your word, God, to allow your spirit to move in this place. God, I pray. Father, I just ask, Lord, we, we, don't, we don't come before you feeling condemned. Condemned's not the, the purpose. The purpose is that we feel encouraged. I need to be about my father's business. I need to occupy till he comes. Jesus could come today, and I know there's somebody I'm supposed to talk to, somebody I should give another hug to, somebody I could tell Jesus loves them, somebody I could offer a chance to pray for. There's always an opportunity to do one more. God, I pray that we would be a people. If we want to see our world change, I, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who is a president. I don't care what you do. Until we do the things God's calling us to do, our world will not change want my neighborhood to change and I need to introduce them to Jesus Christ I want my neighbors, my family my children to change and I need to make sure that they know Jesus Christ that's my father's business go into all the world and make disciples of all men to go with that good news Lord, you've given us so much. I pray when you return, we would run up to you and say, look, look what was accomplished with what you gave me. Look what we did. Look at the faces of the people we changed. Look at the lives who were affected. That we would be encouraged that God, you want to work in us and through us for your good pleasure. And your good pleasure is to see the world evangelized, to see lives changed. Lord, I pray we present ourselves to you as tools of righteousness to be utilized to change our world. As we look with a longing for our Savior to come, as we look for a longing for that day when you will call us home, may we be found working, making disciples, teaching people about Jesus, taking the opportunities that we have, that we would redeem the time, and that we would be found ready.
We're going to close out with a word of worship. I want to invite everybody to come on down for the baptism that we'll be headed down to. Also, want to ask all the prayer counselors to come up. If the Lord spoke to your heart and you need prayer, you're going through something, there's some way that someone can help you in prayer, I invite you to come up, find one of the counselors. They're here to reach out to you and pray with you. God bless you. And go in peace.